The following audio content is a talk from Convergence, a service for young adults at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at upc.org forward slash young adults. This is one of those topics, you guys, that, man, oh man, you can end up, when you talk about forgiveness, you can end up walking out of here feeling even more burdened than when you started. It's feeling like, I should, oh wow, I should, all these hard things that, that happened to me, or these things that I've seen, or all these things that I've gone through, or people or my parents have gone through. Some of you have been, were raised in houses where you knew every day things that your, your, your parents went through. Uh, you've carried generation. The sons of the fathers will be visited on the, the, the third and fourth generation. This idea of this, or second and third generation, this idea of this transference even of things that we're carrying. How do you get told you need to forgive? Um, that is a challenge. And But I do uh, believe that when we experience um, forgiveness in a real way, that there is a part of your life that you will begin to be able to discover that I think is igniting. So that's my, my prayer tonight. And um, I had a good talk with Shannon last week. And um, I, what I like about, about um, people like Shannon is I like being asked tough questions. I really do. Um, and um, so I really encourage you tonight when you're thinking through this stuff, I will not hit everything about forgiveness. I promise you. I wish we could do a whole series on it. Um, but at least give you guys a rough draft on this. Let's, let's start. Remember where we were. We're in Matthew. And this is the visual, the picture that I have in my head is so, what, what I love about this, this passage. This I have to bring up, how high I have to bring this up. When I was, when I was younger, I never had to bring up the, like the thing to like right here so I can go like that. <laughs> my gosh, I have this Bible that has bigger print in it now. And this is not it. So that's so, it makes me laugh. Um, so you picture Jesus, and this is that scene for me that is so touching. You know, I just, I get, you guys, I just got to be honest with you. There's a part of me that just gets, I get, I don't have a lot of patience for me, for me. This is just me. I, have, I don't have a lot of patience for just churchy stuff. I just don't have a lot of use for it. I don't have a lot of desire for it. I just, I really, what really gets me is this visual of this, of Jesus looking out at a crowd and just saying, who's in? I'm not going to tell you everything that's going to happen. I'm not going to explain everything that's going to go on. I'm not going to give you a complete systematic theology that's going to make God make sense. I'm not going to promise you that your life is going to turn out with a nice little home and a white picket fence and the spouse that you want. Who's in? And I love the idea that out of a crowd, a few people step forward and just say, Amen. No sign. I'm, I'm not getting anything in return. The only thing that I got is that I believe that you are life. That's it. I keep that front and center for me. I really do. So there's a lot of things I walk around with where I go, I don't know. I'm going to lean on the side of grace. I'm going to lean on the side of love. I'd rather get be wrong on that side. And this picture of the Lord's Prayer for me, where it gets exciting for me, is this idea of Jesus getting down with these people on the mountain. He's up there on the mountain giving them this sermon. And in the back of his mind is his own crucifixion. And just like you would be if you had to prepare a group of people for a time when you're not going to be with them anymore. You're preparing them to lead past when you can lead them in, in the physical form. And every day of your ministry is going to have that in the back of your mind. How do I equip you to send you? Just like a parent would with their kids. How do I equip you for what I'm not here that you know what to do? That is the Lord's Prayer for me. And so he starts off, this our Father who art in heaven... Say it with me. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Stop. First part, we talked about this idea of God. Jesus wanting to say, if there's anything you know about God, when you're in the midst of the storm and when you're feeling like, God, I don't know where you are and I'm looking up at a big universe and I'm reading stuff by Stephen Hawking and all these other people and I don't know what's going on and I don't know if I even believe there's a God... Jesus is saying, just understand this, that even when your world is turned upside down and it doesn't look fair, understand this, that God is intensely personal. You may not get that. That's not part of the deal that you get the full understanding of God. But be assured that God is personal. That this world is not all there is. Thy kingdom come. This is not the end of the story. Talked about, give us this day our daily bread talked last week about this idea that the way that I take that, do I mean, do I think that that means that I can pray for food and that it's going to magically show up? No. That comes from my trip to Rwanda where I watched people praying for that and food didn't come. So what I do take that to mean, and this is me, I don't need you to agree with me, what I do think that means is an attitude of the heart that Jesus was getting at. This idea of you don't have to have it all at once. This idea of God today, I didn't forgive perfectly Give me this day my daily bread of forgiveness. It's a spiritual heart matter. It's what I think he's talking about. Some of you can totally disagree with that. I don't, that's great. I love it. And then he moves on to this part. that I think what he wants is I, he's like this idea of you don't have to be me. You don't have to walk feeling like you know it all together. But then the biggest thing is, or the next step of this prayer that he's equipping his people with, is this idea of saying, I want you to travel light. I've got stuff for you to do, and I want to tell you something. You're going to get hit hard. You just are. You're going to get hit by disappointment. You're going to get hit by things that people do, things that, uh, sins of commission. You're also going to be getting hit by the things that people should have done for you that they did not do for you, sins of omission. Both will have an effect on you. Some of you know what it's like to grow up in a school and not get paid attention to by, by the teacher or be made fun of by, the, by, by fellow students. This idea of, I'm not even sure who to name, but you feel even just the hurt of the world that we live in. The brokenness of the world has hurt you. Even when you can't pinpoint one particular person, there's a wound that you carry, and it's tough to carry it. This idea of forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. For me, what Jesus is saying, and you've got to picture him looking at you. Kim's saying, I want you to travel light. So I want you to learn the discipline, the spiritual discipline of beginning to forgive the people who owe you as I have forgiven you, as you have been forgiven you don't have the burden of the, of, of the sins that you've committed. I want you to start releasing the burden of the sins that you carry from other people. Does that make sense? So I'm going to give you four things today and then, and then we'll, uh, we'll close it down. The first thing about forgiveness, this is, this is something that I'd like you to picture. First John 4.10 says, this is love. Not that we love God, but that what? This is love. Not that we love God, but that He? Yeah. Not that this is love, not that we love God, but that He and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is one of those things, you guys, where honestly, when I watch people, and, I, and I'm in that crowd with this, 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 I'm in that crowd with them. 
What I try to do is in the morning when I wake up, especially in the wintertime, I get, a, I get more of the seasonal affective stuff in the wintertime. So it's tougher for me to love people in the winter. I get up and I start my day and I'm moving along and I get out and I'm trying. I've already pushed the alarm clock an extra three times because there's no sunlight out there. It's not time. My body's going, this is ridiculous. Sleep till there's sun. And I'm like, there's not going to be sun, body, until like August. So you got to get up. <laughs> um, so I get up and I start moving around and then I start doing my stuff and then I go to my work. I'm a counselor, so it's, I kind of got to be nice. And I start doing that, and then I, and I, and you know, and it typically works for me. Well, it's about, I don't know, maybe three, four years ago, there's a discipline that I started, which is before I, and this is just me, and I didn't make it up. Yeah, bless you. Someone has an awesome, that was a good sneeze. Um, the, uh, this no, no joke. One time I had a person sneeze in when I was speaking to a group of college kids over there, and there was like this, a chew. Like, this the most perfectly spelled, if it had been an Archie comic book, it would have been spelled perfect like that. And that person came up to me like years later and says, I was on your tape. I was the one that sneezed. Um, it's like, I'm so sorry I highlighted that for people. But the, uh, but here's the idea. The idea is, um, visualize. What I started doing was before I hit my feet on the floor, that what I want to do is I literally will picture, see if in some of you guys, there's, I know, if I ask you to close your eyes, it's like, yeah, it's too close to New Age, and that's too close to Satanism. So I know I don't want to do that. For some of you, you don't want to do that. So I get that. It's, it's uncomfortable. Some of you, close your eyes for a second, and imagine that you're in bed, and imagine that before you put your feet on the floor, imagine you could look up, and imagine there would be clouds, and imagine the clouds would part, and out of the clouds would be this almost like sunlight, the sunlight that we don't get in the winter, but almost this is like this sunlight, and the sunlight is the approval and the love and the kindness of God. And it wouldn't be something that you simply know in your head. But imagine this would come all the way down through the roof of your house and it would literally touch you right in the chest. And you could feel it almost press you down into the mattress. This sense it would be like a warm feeling. Imagine this love of God coming down to you. And it's not just something that you intellectually understand. It's literally something that you feel. And you feel it go all the way through you. And you feel this sense of no more do I need to sing worship songs where it's about more of you, more of you, more of you, more of you. There's a sense of, and in this moment, it's enough. Matter of fact, if you had any more, you might explode. This is so, there's just a sense of God's love as it's pouring down on you, touching your chest, literally going into you, naming you, defining you with everything you carry. Imagine the love of God not being simply this sort of, well, I guess I have to love a piece of crap like this. I'll do it. But imagine this love that just gets tickled. And yes, I use the word tickle. That's my dad coming out of me. Imagine this love that just gets a kick out of watching you. Why? Because you're one of the people, out of all the people that he, that he asked to come forward, you're one of the people who said yes. He loves watching you get out on the field. He loves watching you try. And yeah, you got it wrong. And yeah, you got angry. And yeah, you threw an elbow again. And yeah, you kicked the ball ten feet wide of the goal. But he loves watching your life. So it's not a fake love. Imagine this love really gets you. He genuinely loves watching your life. Can't get enough of it. Enough to give his son. This is love. 
Not an idea, an experience. Open your eyes. This is what I do. Now, I do this imperfectly, but I want to tell you something. It is revolutionized forgiveness for me. That forgiveness starts with God is the first point I want to make. And this is not just some of those, it should. I really believe that when we want to talk about forgiveness, it is very difficult when someone has done something that is taken away from you, your sense of a name, a sense of who you are, your identity. Some people have gone through situations where sexually or physically you were trespassed against. And in that experience, it's really hard because it can feel almost like that act named you. Or that, uh, that act took away from you who you are. Some of you had things happen to you in your life where you've been looked at this way or talked to this way. And you can feel like that person literally robbed you. And so we can't forgive them because they have something that belongs to us. And that's our identity. Does that make sense what I'm saying or am I getting too lofty? Do you get what I'm saying? You understand what I'm talking about? That feeling of someone said that thing about you that, that other people heard. And somehow you bought it. And they took your name. They took that sense of who you are. And they hold it now. And you can fight it in your head. That person doesn't know what they're talking about. That person's stupid. Well, look at where they come from. They don't even know what they're talking about. But in your quiet moments, there's another part of you says, Yeah, but that's their, they have the power. They, they must be right. They said it. They were angry. They're not stupid. They took, some, they took my name, that feeling of how can I forgive the debt if they still have my identity? Well, when it's this, imagine getting out of bed with this sense of God's love hitting you right in the chest, touching you, being so tickled about who you are. And you say, well, God, but look at what that person said about me. And imagine you can literally picture the eyes of Jesus looking right at you and going, I don't care. I could literally care less what that person said about you. I don't even think about it. It's like static on the air. I'm nuts about you. I'm crazy about you. Yeah, I know everything. I know how you elbowed the person on the field yesterday. We're going to work on that. Because I don't want you elbowing people. That's okay. I just think you're great. Imagine that sense of it beginning with God and God giving you you back. Imagine that you walk through your day. Now, this is the part that I just, I don't think I'm going to get it across. I wish I could. This is the part that I imagine you could walk through your day and nobody has you. Nobody owns you. Nobody has defined you. Does that under, do you understand what I'm saying? That nobody has had the ability to take away from you the awesomeness that you are in God's eyes. Does that make sense? I don't want that to sound too churchy. But imagine how that could suddenly you look around at the person who said whatever they said. And it's taken it from a 10 importance because you got God over here and Jesus and the whole church thing, but then you got this other God over here that's named you the way they are. They're this big in your eyes. But imagine that when you got up today, before you put your feet on the floor, you literally visualize the love of God coming down, touching you right in the chest, naming you as you are. You walk out of that your bed and you're walking through the door and you're walking through the floor and you're experiencing, literally experiencing God's favor on you. And then you look around at this person who in their anger, doing whatever they were doing, 
probably named something. This is how I look at it. That's probably 10% true 10% of the time. And that's okay. Does that make sense what I'm saying? I can be a total... I'm not going to use that word. Um, let's see. I can be someone who is very disrespectful. I've told you guys a thousand times. When I'm grumpy or when I'm late or tired or hungry and you're doing that thing you do, I can give you that look that makes you feel like you're the stupidest person on the planet. And so if you were to go to somebody else and say, he's totally a whatever, I'd say, you know what, 10% of the time, that's totally true. There's 10% of me, 10% of the time, that's, where, that's true. I don't even fight it, but the person isn't gigantic anymore. I can forgive what they said. Because one, they're probably not all wrong. That's okay. That love of God still hit me this morning, so it must not wreck that. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Okay. Second thing. This, is, this comes from a, a, a female therapist I know right now who is, who is amazing. And she's, her point is that, that forgiveness truly has to walk with grief. Sometimes what we're trying to forgive is someone has stolen from us, stolen that sense of our name, or they have named us, that sense of they've put something on us. But sometimes what they've done is they've taken away vision. Sometimes for forgiveness, you, for some of you, you will never not know what it's like to grow up and not see an adult person lose their temper and lose their, lose their, lose their, um, their cool in a way that is not responsible. Some of you will not have that in this lifetime. That is sad. I'm sorry. That is a, that is a heartbreak. And for you to forgive, there is no way for you finally to forgive what happened to you when you were a kid unless you deal with the grief that there are certain things that in this lifetime are not going to be for you. Does that define who you are? Will that take you out of living a life that God is excited about watching? No. Forgive your debtors. If you are... There's, this, is, this is where another one of those things where I don't know if I'm going to make this make sense. What I watch a lot of people do is they will do anything that they can except grieve. They'll get... They'll, they will talk back about the other person or they will try to ignore it or they'll get really super busy or they get lots of people around them, or do whatever it is, but accept grief, which is to be processing anger, sadness. Yes, this happened. It's never going to be true that it didn't happen. It's never going to be true that that didn't hurt you. It's never going to be true that, that, wasn't, that, that was, it was wrong that it happened. It's never going to be... It's never going to be true that what you experienced, you didn't experience. That's always going to be there. You've got to, there's a sense of, at some point, God has wired us to grieve. We're wired to go through this emotional process where at the end of it, the event is still there, but the emotional charge has been processed through you. So now that that event can bear some kind of fruit, doesn't make it right, never equates. Does that make sense? That's where it can get, this is the place right here where it can get, people can twist it around. It can become sort of a, this happened so that this happened. I was sexually abused so I could become a sexual abuse counselor. And that theology drives me crazy. I, this is me. This is where come on up and give it to me. Sexual abuse happened because the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. And we live in a world that is sinful and broken. And bad things happen to good people. However, what God says is fear not. 
It's, I've overcome the world. There's no sense that in this world that, that I'm going to let that story be the end of the story for you. But it'll always be true that it happened, and you have to grieve it. Does that make sense? Forgiveness requires that you have to ask yourself a tough question, which is, what do I have to grieve? Just acknowledge, what is it that hurt you? Do you have you named it? Have you declared it? I am grieving the fact that my dad did not know how to what? I am grieving the fact that when I grew up, my mother did not know how to what? Have you named it? Has to come with grief. Third thing. Are you guys with me? Okay. Third thing. This is an... This is probably the part of grief that for me is the, it finally, I'm telling you what grief entails, but for me, what does it actually mean to forgive? This is how I see it. It's taking it right from Jesus' prayer. Forgive your debts. You've also heard it prayed, forgive those who have trespassed against us. But, and I like both for different reasons. Both of those have very powerful meanings for me. Some of you know what it's like to feel trespassed against. People are way up in your, your space, and, and, uh, and that's really helpful for me to think about, okay, that person's trespassing. But in this particular case, the idea of a debt is a pretty good one. The idea of forgiveness is literally a legal term. I mean, it's literally coming out of, they're not talking about in a court of law. When we say, we're going to forgive a debt, it doesn't mean that you now have to be okay with what happened. So whatever you went through, it does not mean that there's been an emotional change that somehow says, I'm now okay with whatever happened to me. It simply means that as it stands, the punishment that I have elected to inflict in my head, and this is where, for me, it's usually, this is the punishment. What I'm going to do with that thing that happened to me that hurt me, that I haven't forgiven yet, is I'm going to replay a dialogue in my head. Every time I think about it, and then every time I'm going to fight back, or every time I'm going to get angry again, and every time I'm going to go through a, through a thing, that's going to be the sentence. That every single day I'm going to judge you again and declare you are a complete fill-in-the-blank. You understand what I'm saying? Every day I'm going to go back through the event. Every day I'm going to experience the pain of the event. Every day I'm going to experience, I'm going to look that person in the eye. In my head, I'm going to play that thing over and over and over and over again. You are guilty of this thing, and your sentence is that I'm going to play this out every single day in my head against you. Does that make sense? What would it be like if for once I could take something and simply say, what you did, I don't know why you did it. I wish you knew how to do better. Now follow this. I'm assuming what you did to me, you did to somebody else. It's rare that you catch someone smoking their only cigarette, right? I'm assuming you've done this before. I'm assuming you're going to do this again. I'm assuming if you keep doing it, your life is going to be a pretty hard life. I'm assuming I was one of many. I'm assuming that if you sat down and talked with me and knew me, that you would like me. Just like I'm assuming if we sat down and we were no pressure, I'm assuming I'd like you. Or I'm assuming that if you'd been raised differently, or I'm assuming if you had needs built differently, I'm assuming that something else would happen, but it didn't. As of today, imagine this person. This is another one of your pictures. Ready? I promise. No new agey. It's okay. See if you can close your eyes and imagine a dark 
jail cell that you are down in the dungeons and you can see the person who has wronged you. In a jail cell locked up. And the only way that they will stay in that jail cell is if there's a jailer. And the jailer is you. They've been there day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. And every day you come and you close the door again. You're there every day, every day, every day to make sure they stay in the cell for the crime that they committed against you. And imagine one day Jesus comes down into the bottom of the cell. He comes to you and puts his arm on your shoulder. He looks at you with that kind of those kind eyes that just likes you. He knows you're trying to look for justice. He doesn't judge you. He says, man, I'd be mad too. Here's my thing with you. Imagine him saying this. He said, I had a lot for you to do. And I would love it if someday you would walk out of this jail and come with me and do what it is that I have for you. Let these people stay here if they want, in this prison cell if they want. But you no longer have to exact the punishment. You can release them from the debt. It doesn't mean you have to like what they did. It doesn't even mean you have to like the person. It just means as it is up to you, you have the power to say it's over and walk out of this jail with me today. Open your eyes. You guys, this is the scene. It's the only way I can like, slightly get there. At the end of the day, if I feel like my emotions have to be, I have to feel that sense of it's okay what you did completely. For some of you, there's days when it is like that, and then you know there's another day when it's not again, and there's another day I finally forgive, and the next day you don't. It's, there's a sense of, as it is for me, visualizing, picturing in my head, walking off from the jail, saying, I now don't collect on that debt. At the end of the day, that forgiveness is a very powerful stance. The idea of not being able to forgive makes me feel weaker. It makes me feel like I am doomed to hate this person, or do, and that's the punishment that they have. I will now hate you. That's your punishment. Shoot, that means now I have to spend every day carrying that sentence out. Rats, because I have a lot of stuff I would really like to do, but today i got to show up again and hate you again. Does that make sense? Oh, man, I've, I've got... Oh, shoot, the, the punishment will be that I will backstab you to every person that I know. Rats, there's all these things I'd like to do, but i still got like five or six people i got to talk bad about you. <laughs> and imagine this idea. You know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, this is the way I never... I never... This isn't my... I didn't make this up. This is when I finally caught this idea of a legal thing of Jesus looking and saying, I'm going to give you the power to loose what shall be loosed like you did with Peter. You say it's done, it's done. Doesn't mean it's okay. Just means go live your life. Learn, learn from it. Let it be transformed into wisdom. Let it make you a compassionate person. That's all good. But in terms of showing up here and making sure this person suffers, you're off the hook. I had never seen it like that. I, and for me, that was the first thing that was freeing. Lewis Smedes writes a book on forgiveness. He's out of Fuller. And the fourth thing is, is that ultimately speaking, he says that forgiveness is a miracle of God. 
that when all is said and done, there's a sense of it begins with that. Not just a knowing that God loves me. God loves me. I know, I know, I know, I know. But what are you doing in your discipline of your day where you're allowing yourself to feel and experience the love, the actual love of God right in that moment? Are you walking in that? How much of your day are you literally paying attention to, the, to that love hitting you, going into you, defining you, giving you your name back as you are? Seeing God like a dad that maybe you didn't have, just going, I can't believe you just learned how to eat with a spoon. That's amazing. Do you see that? You would see the young dads, you'll just never believe what happened. They just learned to use the letter S. It's incredible. And we're like, yeah, 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 I've seen that. No, 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 you don't understand. It's a miracle. That's how I picture God with you. Do you never believe what I just saw that person do? They just walked down the hill, walked down the hill and they were walking by this person that was all grumpy and, and all depressed. And the way that they looked at him brought a little bit of light to their day. I can't believe that they learned how to do that. I love watching them do that. God gets a kick out of you. Go through all that. That it begins with God. You go through the sense that, 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 that it's an act of power. That you've done your grief. It still doesn't go away because there are some wounds that hit us so deeply. And this is where I'd like to give you some grace. There are some things that happen that honestly, we'll be watching the research, but I really believe that there's this connection in our bodies that just, it just gets us. And we're literally carrying it around. It's not just in our mind. It's not just an exercise of the intellect. But literally what happened, we can feel it in our body. And that is where ultimately speaking, there's some of you that this is going to be the thorn you carry. And this is where I'd like to give you grace. Is that if for some of you you have to carry this for the rest of your life, that if it is your thorn, that there's something you simply cannot forgive. You've tried. You've tried to let them off from the punishment in your mind. Does that make sense? You've processed, you've grieved, and yet instilled in your mind, in your body, in your heart, you can feel, I have not forgiven them. What I would like to propose, and Lewis Smeads, who is this professor at Fuller, what he would propose is, is that ultimately the last step is to pray. God, give me the miracle of taking this thorn out of my system. And that if it happens, it'll be a miracle. And it may just be that it's going to be part of your life to walk around with something that you simply can't forgive. That's what I'd love to give you is a little bit of grace. Does that make sense? And that's where some of you are going to probably call me a heretic. That's okay. I'm not scared of that. I, what I would love, though, is that I know some of you can beat yourselves up so hard if there's something you haven't forgiven yet. You can be so hard on yourselves. God, I should forgive that. I still have to forget that. I still have forgiven that yesterday. I still oh, I came back and I'm still mad about that. Oh, doggone it. I'm still feeling the bitterness. Lord Jesus. You know that prayer? Lord a weightlifter. Make me forgive. I would love it if you could walk out of here and hear God say, you know what, I don't expect you to be me and I am the only one that can forgive perfectly. You just back up and start praying for your daily bread and we'll go with that. You do the best you can. That's why I came to the cross because you couldn't do it for yourself. So when you start putting it on you that you've got to be as good as me, you just back down and accept your place as my disciple. And if I say I'm getting a kick out of you today, we're just going to call that good. You think you're not forgiving well enough. That's why I did it for you. I get back up. Keep trying. We're going to have the musicians come up, and they're going to start playing. And I just, 
I encourage you. This is one of those topics, you guys, where, boy, whatever you have to picture in your head, maybe it's you picture the event itself and you literally lay it down. Maybe it's you picture in yourself the person that hurt you in the jail cell and just going, all the best to you. But as for me, I'm walking out. Maybe it's for you picturing what is it that you need to wake up with tomorrow. And maybe for the first time in your life, experiment with the idea that maybe God could love you just like you are. And not just know it, but literally feel it. In this moment, you know, we talk so much, we do so much. What is it going to take for you to be someone who may be able to travel a little lighter with forgiveness? That's my question. Jesus' name. All God's people said.